0: David Stewart you are a British Jesuit you're from yes. Scotland yes. Uh, but you work now in Stamford in England where Stanford you Hill. yeah Stamford Hill in the Church of St Ignatius and you have been writing for a number of years now in America Magazine and of late writing about the situation in Great Britain and we'll talk about that what it's like on the ground in these turbulent times because certainly for us looking on from Ireland, and I think Mm. for the rest of the world, this is something we haven't witnessed before. Scenes in Parliament, MPs being shot, this is unprecedented. Give me your take on this as somebody right in the middle of it. Well, my
1: sense is of a fracturing uh, political reality, social reality, a country that's changing before our very eyes. These changes are not altogether pleasing, uh, not very encouraging. By change, I mean all sorts of different dimensions, socially, politically. Uh, You might even say morally. One of the things that's concerning a lot of people, not just me, is the increasing incidence of behaviour towards each other. You find this mirrored in Parliament, as well as elsewhere. Behaviour that would have been unacceptable ten years, maybe even five years ago. There appears to be uh, a licensing of vindictive, nasty, judgmental behaviour that, as I say, just simply would have, would have been unacceptable and uh, something that many of us, we would have been brought up in such a way that such behaviour was out of the question, really. But now it's become, um, I hesitate to say this, but almost mainstream. And what's modelled for us by our political leaders, for example, is extremely unfortunate, to say the least. What do I mean by that? I mean examples of name-calling, prejudiced behaviour, numerous anecdotal stories. Almost everyone has a story nowadays of hearing somebody insulted in public, in a public space, like on a bus or in the shops, for example for speaking a language other than English, being told to go back to their own country. There was one incident in the British press not so long ago of someone who was told to do that, speak the language of this country and get back to your own country, and the person accusing him of doing this hadn't realised that the language this person was speaking was Welsh. So that sounds ridiculous, it sounds almost like a bad joke, but it was a reality, multiply attested. So that's sort of what I sometimes, like have called in some of my pieces, self-licensing behaviour. It's too easy to say that Brexit has caused that, but it does seem to have released or bypassed some kind of safety valve, some kind of filter that most, shall we say, decent people have employed up until comparatively recently.
0: Do you think that that is orchestrated in the sense of an almost an alt-right kind of agenda that allows democracy to be threatened, really, which it is in a certain way.
1: I think that would be possibly too simple an understanding, and I'm not sure if we can actually ascribe a single one-sentence description to this phenomenon we're seeing. There is certainly some value, at least in the explanation of populism in many parts of the world, not just in Britain, that it at least partly is fueled by, or possibly fuels, discontent among people who feel that they have been left behind by, for example, globalisation, people who have been the victims, particularly in Britain, of government-imposed austerity, which has frequently affected adversely the poorest, yet they palpably were not the people who caused the crash towards the end of of the previous decade. There is a perception that may be very accurate that the people responsible, the the bankers, and the massive amounts of government, public money, uh, sunk into rescuing the bankers. The bankers had brought about this situation but were not being penalised, not being punished by it. Therefore, large numbers of people have felt excluded from the political process from public life without having the possibility of any other kind of reaction have reacted in this way.
0: I'm interested in that because one of the things nonetheless it strikes me as strange is that in that circumstance... Why don't those people move to the left? They are the marginalized, they are the excluded. Same in America. They end up supporting the elite classes. I mean, Boris Johnson is a privately educated schoolboy who's prime minister. The Tories have managed to stay in power. Mm. Same in America. Trump is a wealthy businessman who many would have couldn't grew wealthy on the taxes paid by other people Mm. while he didn't pay any himself. Why has it expressed itself in that way and not in a surge for a revolution of a socialist nature. Yep,
1: yep. That's a question that I've wondered about many times, and I know that many uh, others in in Britain have wondered about this as well. The partial answer might well turn out, uh, with the benefit of some historical hindsight, to have been the emasculation of the trade unions, particularly during the 80s. Now, I know it's relatively easy to blame, in our context, Margaret Thatcher and her revolution, which, of course, was simultaneous with veganism in the States. But, you know, there must be something in that. If people feel that they cannot turn to, in our case, the Labour Party, the organised left, the trade union movement, all this anger and all this sense of being dispossessed has to find an outlet somewhere. So maybe it's not so much the disaffected people, oppressed people uh, deserting the left. Maybe it's a perception that the left has deserted them. That's the best answer I can come up with. I think it may be something that we have to look back on in 10, 15, 20, 50 years and reassess uh, with the benefit of historical hindsight.
0: Of course, the other side is, you know, this all began at some level with migrants and David Cameron going to Europe and asking for more leeway for not taking in migrants. So there is that sense also that when people feel they don't have a lot, then what we have, we hold. And we've been asked to give our share of the pie. And that's another big element in this, the sense of, You know, the other versus Britain and and England even Mm. that is safe, white, homogenous and had great times, So they look back to a nostalgia and the people that have come in and have taken all our our jobs and whatever, that they have to be blamed. And unfortunately, that does feed into a a right wing narrative as well. And that has been fed over the last number of years.
1: Yes. And the right wing narrative is is quite well known and uh, frequently heard and seems to be able to drown out the, I would say, the more accurate narrative, as is equally well known, if not as as widely discussed, that migrants, inward migration, always brings with it a boost to the economy. To talk about it simply in cash terms, clearly there is what some would see as the enhancement and the enrichment of a culture brought about by the new immigrants who are almost axiomatically determined to make a go of it and they will contribute to the host society culturally as well as economically but you can equally understand i dare say that some people who have bought into the narrative uh, you know those rather dreadful words that are often used by the tabloid press about floods of immigrants invasions Swamping is a, is another one that we heard quite a lot. What one view might say is an enhancement of, shall we say, the culture, not to mention the economy. For someone else, that might well be an illicit dilution of a culture. So there is that protectionist response.
0: That protectionist response also fed by a media that has lost its way, mm. I think, as well. I mean... You can see the different segments of that holds a democracy together under attack because those words been used floods of immigrants. Mm. they don 't stand up to factual scrutiny. It's the real fake news mm-hmm. and and you can mm. see the same again parallels in America, where the media has been incredibly polarized
1: It's sadly a worrying place to be, and one needs to uh, address the question at some stage at this point in our history just exactly what is the role of print media, daily newspapers. I'm inclined to think that they are still significant opinion farmers, even if sales are down and more people are getting access to the news online, and that, of course, brings its own problems. There's a certain influence from print media, and that leads us, certainly in a British, and particularly an English context, to the fact that the Great majority of print media is owned by rich press barons, as we used to say. I don't think you hear the (laughs) phrase so often, uh, but it seems to capture a a reality. And does what the overwhelmingly right-wing press print accurately more or less reflect the views of the country at large? Do they form those views? Uh, I think it's very hard to decide either way. But the fact is that they don't reflect the reality of most opinion, I would say, in the country. That may be hopelessly optimistic in my part. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe that's because you're from Scotland. I, w- mm-hmm. I want to come back mm-hmm. to you now about Scotland in a moment. But I also want to ask you about the role of the churches there. I mean, it's, the Catholics are in a minority, But there is the Church of England, and I know it's a secular country, no more than Ireland is. But have there been contributions or leadership stances taken by the churches there?
1: Well, pick up firstly on the word you used there secular. Um, It's always important in any discussion like this for us to realise that the extent to which secularisation has taken hold uh, in Britain, also across Western Europe it's very hard to to quantify, but I would be inclined to suggest that Britain is possibly more secular or secularized now maybe along with shall we say Germany Netherlands but probably more so than any other part of europe that's a subjective judgment i don 't know how you would really do an objective judgment but that is the sense as for church response to these situations I'm not sure we have fully articulated a response many people are responding favourably and some not so favourably to the lead given by Pope Francis who has been unstintingly outspoken on for example I think of two areas straight away one would be the refugee crisis and the other of course climate change So these are areas in which um, he's been fearless. And I think he has encouraged quite a number of us to be fearless as well. There is quite a movement in Britain, as in other parts of the world, uh, caught us, I think, by surprise in many ways, the Extinction Rebellion people. And there are church elements of that. It's not church-led. But that's going to be an interesting development, I feel, over the next year to two years uh, extinction rebellion. No matter what you think of them, other methods seems to be here to stay. Uh, many of us will feel instinctively that uh, these activists, and I would be very much in favour of them, but these activists are onto something. Uh, the methods may be um, making some of us uneasy, but yes, the crisis is real. The um, first results of the extinction rebellion movement, if it is a movement, and the example of the likes of Greta Thunberg uh, and also Pope Francis, has been to lead the British government, Westminster government, amongst others, to declare climate emergency. If you'd asked one year ago, was that likely to happen? The answer would have been a flat no. So there's progress been made there.
0: And the fracking gas as well to... And um, that's that that's a
1: very recent development over the past few days, which I must say caught me by surprise. I didn't think the government would be so decisive in, in issuing that ban on fracking, uh, which has got to be good news, because that was a technology that was running away with itself under its own steam, and something needed to be done. So that's very encouraging. The um, general issue of climate change My own sense is that in Britain, more and more of us are waking up to it. More and more of us are being aware of the example, you know, Dorothy Day once wrote that you can make, or many times she wrote that you can can bring about great change by attending to small things, small matters in everyday life. Uh, maybe this is what's beginning to happen now.
0: you have the same sense of hope then around perhaps the whole issue of Brexit and migrants and this interregnum that we're in now in you in in Britain, are you afraid it's just going to be more of the same or do you think change could take place in the next couple of months?
1: Well, I think change is going to take place and it's change that we again couldn't have foreseen maybe five years ago and it may not be the change that a lot of people expect I predict, for example, I'm not alone in predicting this, the breakup of the United Kingdom. And much of England seems to be headed towards a small government, high-risk entrepreneurial economy, and a a drift away from the notion of a welfare state, the very fact that the vaunted National Health Service, many people are Fearful, The Conservative Party has become very right-wing and that, although they do deny this or have been denying this, the plan is to sell off a great deal of a national health service, mainly to the to United States, um, to, the, to the insurance health insurance industry in the US. I mentioned that the union may well be fracturing...
0: Mm. Scotland has certainly made its mark on Saturday with Nicola Sturgeon and you're a a Scot yourself. How did you feel about that?
1: Well, I was able to watch that from a distance. I'm fascinated by what's going on there and although I've lived out with Scotland for over three decades now, I found I'm constantly being asked by my many English friends and colleagues not only how do I feel about independence but how did I vote in 2014, (laughs) how might I vote in 2020, when it looks almost certain that there will be somewhere or another a second referendum. And my answer to that, I think, is important um, because my answer is I didn't vote in 2014 and I won't vote in 2020 unless my Jesuit provincial happens to assign me to a mission in one of our Scottish works. The reason being that the nationalism the independence movement, is civic. So if you live in Scotland, you get a vote. If you're a Scot living one mile inside the English border, you don't get a vote. So therefore it becomes a civic nationalism. And every time I do go home or pick up the Scottish media, I'm struck by the quality of the debate, the sense of wanting This civic nationalism as a progressive, Mm -hmm. forward-looking, and above all, inclusive settlement and way forward for the country, I do find rather inspiring. I find it quite in contrast to what I sadly see emerging in England which, as I say, is a country I've lived in for over three decades, in many ways, which I, I do love.
0: Nicholas Sturgeon spoke very well mm-hmm. that day. There was another man who spoke there. Tell me about him.
1: Yes, I was really taken by the figure of a gentleman called Hamza Yusuf, who's a Scotsman of Asian origin. He's a member of the Scottish Parliament for a large constituency in the south side of Glasgow. Uh, which is mainly, as a, you know, a working class area. Humza spoke with great passion in the meeting in George Square in the centre of Glasgow. But what particularly struck me uh, with our uh, Ignatian heritage is that he ended this uh, rather barnstorming speech, delivered, of course, in a broad Glasgow accent and <laughs> using some some lovely Glasgow dialect <laughs> phrases that uh, made me feel rather homesick. He ended this speech with what could only be described as an Ignatian meditation. What do I mean by that? He asked the crowd, would be twenty, 25,000 apparently, if they could all close their eyes, and if they could become calm for a moment, and if they could just place themselves in the imagination... Anyone with any familiarity with Ignatius and the exercises would recognise straight away what's going on. He asked them if they could imagine being in place on the morning after the second independence referendum where Yes had won. Imagine being there, but also imagine the emotions that they might feel at that point and to use that as their inspiration to move forward in campaigning. And I thought, goodness Mm. me, Holmes is a great fellow and I've admired him for years. I didn't know he'd ever made the spiritual exercises of Ignatius. <laughs> Maybe he hasn't. But, you know, but it, it
0: certainly had the hallmarks, without it had a hallmarks, doubt. Indeed. So to conclude, David, you've said there that you think there will be a breakup of the union. Clearly, Scotland would certainly be in on that. Do you think that England and a Conservative government would be prepared to ditch the UK? And do you think that will fly then?
1: I have an increasing personal sense that... The Conservative Party in England, as we approach a general election, might in fact have already made up their minds that they are prepared to let the union fracture, to let Scotland go independent, maybe Wales too, where the independence movement seems to have gathered momentum in recent weeks and months. I think it's interesting, and it's annoying to many of my Scottish friends, that some of the English commentators, London-based commentators mainly, have used the verb lose. We might be prepared to lose Scotland. People quite understandably respond saying, well, Scotland is not a possession. Uh, The Scots were told in 1707 that this would be a partnership of two proud nations, We were told that again in 2014 (laughs) at the first independence referendum.
0: How did that work out for you?
1: Well, what happened there, I think, is very significant, because up until about a week or 10 days before the vote, it was much narrower than the 55-45, which was the eventual result. And in large part, that was due to, I think, two factors. One was the Famous, or should I say infamous, vow in which a number of unionist politicians, Conservative, Lib Dems, and Labour, got together and made a vow to the Scottish people of greatly increased devolution, much greater self-government, really, if only they voted for the status quo. And
0: financial States. remuneration as well. Yep.
1: and the other aspect, of course, was, this takes us back to Brexit in Europe. The Scots people were quite clearly advised that the best way of staying in the European Union would be to vote for the continuation of the British Union, to continue to be part of the British state and that a vote for independence would endanger the status of the Scottish nation in the European Union. So amongst other things, that was just simply admitting quite openly that European Union membership is a good thing. Now that's turned completely uh, there doesn't seem to be any attempt that I'm picking up from the commentators or the political campaign. The election campaign is just starting, mm. so it's going to be fascinating to see if this topic I- is addressed. There doesn't seem to be any attempt to contradict that understanding, which leads certainly some of us to think that, yes, the Conservative campaign in the general election includes an understanding that, to use their language, they'd be prepared to lose Scotland (laughs) maybe also Wales and there is also the fascinating question that that you have to look at here about the status of Northern Ireland because the people of Northern Ireland also voted maybe not quite as overwhelmingly as the Scots to remain in the European Union. Nicola Sturgeon and others in the SNP government are talking about the deal that has been done with Northern Ireland quite rightly saying if northern ireland can have this special deal in a new settlement what about scotland that question as far as i'm aware has not been answered yet it be fascinating to see just how and indeed if it's answered over the next few weeks
0: so interesting times ahead
1: absolutely fascinating and if you're a politics junkie like me there's not going to be much sleep over the next <laughs> few weeks
0: but we wish you all the best and make whatever sleep you get lead to a hopeful and better resolution than you have at the moment, David.
1: Ta Gomor
0: go more.